Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. What a disastrous season for the Los Angeles Lakers in virtually every way. It is Chris Carlin, Chris Canty on ESPN Radio in for Greeny today on the ESPN app and on your smart speaker. Don't forget about SiriusXM Channel 80 as well. It's hard to imagine a scenario where the Lakers wouldn't be the biggest disappointment of the season. Now, Chris and I sat here last week as we were filling in for Graney on Friday, and we made the case that the Nets were the second-best team or the team with the second-best opportunity uh, in the Eastern Conference with the Milwaukee Bucks to win a title. Now, they had a little bit of a setback. We talked about the need for them to not put themselves in a position to have to win two games to get into the postseason. And right now, they're at the number eight spot. So right now, it's win one game and you're in and lose a game and you kind of have a fallback to work with. Now, Chris, the Nets may end up being, to me, the biggest disappointment of the season if they ended up losing in the first round of the playoffs. Not the play-in, losing in the first round of the playoffs. Can they surpass the Lakers as the biggest disappointment when you consider the following? Caesar Sportsbook preseason NBA title wagers. 23% of the money was put on or the Lakers were picked 23% of the time mm-hmm. and 51% of the money, mm. more than half the money was put on the Lakers to win the title. Yeah, that's about LeBron James. And so to answer your question, no, I, I don't think that the Brooklyn Nets will surpass the Lakers as the biggest disappointment. Now, is it possible? Sure. If they lose the first play-in game to Cleveland and then they turn around and lose to the winner of the Hawks or the Hornets, yeah, if they get bounced in the play-in tournament and they have two cracks at it, then, yeah, I think they would be right on par. To surpass them would be awfully tough. I just I just don't see it. Even if they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs because they draw Boston, my, uh, Milwaukee, or Philly, I just I still don't think that that's, that's on par with the Los Angeles Lakers. Think about it, Carlin. The Lakers are 17 games below five hundred. They're outside of the play-in tournament looking up at teams like the Spurs and the Pelicans in the Western Conference standings. And this is a LeBron James-led team. There's no way that you could convince me that if LeBron James played 50-plus games that the Lakers would be in the shape that they're in right now. But yet, that is the state of affairs, and now it leaves everybody questioning what the Lakers should do next. Should they blow the whole thing up? and essentially have LeBron James be a hostage while they're going through a rebuild? Or do they try to run it back with, I guess, the big three that they thought they were coming into the season with, with Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, uh, as the running mates to Braun? I, I just – I can't believe that the Lakers are in this position. I, I, there's no way you could have told me before the season started that they would be this bad. If, for LeBron at this point in his career, living in Los Angeles is the most important thing, he has to accept he's not winning another title. He has to accept he's not winning another title. And until he gets to the point, wherever Bronny ends up, if Bronny ends up in the league and, you know, he's good enough to hang around and not be a G League guy going back and forth, because I don't think LeBron's playing for the Westchester Knicks. He wants to play with his son in the league. He has to accept, if he's staying in Los Angeles, that 
he is not winning another championship there the way things uh, are structured or could get structured here in the next couple of years. And that's an interesting point that you bring up, Carlin, because in just thinking about it, like outside of the Los Angeles Lakers, just teams that would feel like they're a LeBron James away from winning a title. Not saying that LeBron James is still not one of the greatest players in the NBA. Absolutely. But, but are teams going to be willing to turn over their franchise to LeBron James because that essentially is what you would have to do if you were to try to trade for LBJ. Like that that's what it would be, right? Like yep. who, who's in position to turn over their franchise to LeBron James? I, I, I'm not quite sure that there would be as many takers that we would consider contenders that would do that. I just don't see a whole long list of teams that are willing to do that. Like, I I was on with Amber Wilson earlier this week and thought, you know what, running it back in Miami with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and being able to pair Braun with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, that wouldn't be a bad way to go. That would give him an opportunity to compete for a championship. But would LeBron be willing to leave L.A. and go back to Miami? Could he mend fences with Pat Riley? Those are all questions that we don't have the answers to. But to me, that would be – the landing spot for LeBron James that would make the most sense if winning a championship was the top priority. You know, it, but that's it, the other part that we don't know. Is winning yeah. a championship the top priority for LeBron at this stage in his career, yeah, at that, this stage that is, in his life? That is seeding a lot right there for LeBron. You know, mentally, you, you are seeding any power that you have in that situation and acknowledging that you need to go somewhere else to make it happen on somebody else's terms at this point, and that is very, very difficult. According to research, 90% of employers plan to enhance their employee experience this year. And if you need to add more employees, there's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates for your job, and you can invite your top choices to apply. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. It's Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Here's what I definitively do not want to see over the next week and I'm going to lose I'm going to lose respect for LeBron if I see this do not come back and throw up 60 65 points last couple of games against a weak sauce schedule to win an NBA scoring title don't do it don't do it don't do it that if that that to me would speak to everything that is wrong with him at this point, and it would be the ultimate weak move. Well, Carlin, if we're taking him at his word, a couple of weeks ago he said he's having a time of his life playing basketball. Isn't that what he said? So I mean, who's to say that he won't come back and play in that game against the OKC Thunder or play in that regular season finale against the Denver Nuggets? and try to make a run of the scoring title. Oh, by the way, Joel Embiid, 45-point night against the Indiana Pacers, surpassed LeBron James in scoring average. I want to say he's 30.4 points a game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, LeBron he's James... He's a tenth of a point ahead right now. Yeah, LeBron James would have his work cut out for him in order to move the needle and to get back on top. But, I mean, who's to say that he won't do that? And, quite frankly, this is not something that's beyond LeBron or above LeBron. Oh, no, no, no. It it absolutely isn't because we know that this is a player that is obsessed with his legacy. He told us a decade ago, Carlin, that he's chasing ghosts. It's not about his contemporaries. It's about being able to be on par with some of the greatest the game has ever seen. And, of course, we're talking about Michael Jordan. Okay, and the I one thing that question. Michael Jordan, the one thing that Michael Jordan didn't do is win a scoring title at age 37. Okay. And so LeBron James 
could try to add that feather in his cap, but I would I would then pose the question, what good is a scoring title at age 37 if your team is 17 games under 500 and finishes outside looking into the playoffs? I ask you this question. LeBron goes and wins a scoring title. We are talking about his legacy six, seven, eight years down the road. Does that do anything anything in altering your view of LeBron James in a positive way, him winning what is only a second scoring title. And as you mentioned before the show, when we were talking about this a little bit, it would be impressive to do it 15 years since your last one, but it would do absolutely nothing for me in changing my opinion of who LeBron is. Well, Colin, it wouldn't move the needle for me either, but I also have to admit that I'm too close to it because I'm a Lakers fan, and I hold LeBron responsible for a lot of what we've seen from the Lakers this season. So I don't know if I'm the best person to be asking about that. Yeah. But I talked to Draymond Green yesterday on my radio show, and Draymond said it would be a heck of an accomplishment for a player at age 37 to lead the league in scoring. Now, I get it. Him and Draymond – our business partners, so Draymond is probably not the most objective when it comes to trying to gauge how a scoring title would impact LeBron's legacy at this stage in his career, but it still is an accomplishment to lead the league in scoring. Like, I mean, it's just, it was an accomplishment. Think about it this way, Carlin, and, it, and I know it's not apples to apples, but it was an accomplishment for Kobe Bryant in his last game as a Laker to drop 60, and the team was absolutely abysmal. It was an accomplishment for Russell Westbrook to average a triple-double and be the first player to do so since the Big O. We don't care about how his team finished that year. It doesn't really matter. When we get far removed from it, we think about the, the accomplishments and the rarity to do those types of feats. And so I think as we put more time and space between this season and when we start having those conversations again about the greatest of all time, I think the scoring title, if LeBron James were able to pull it off, would shine a little bit brighter than it actually would in the immediate aftermath if he were to get it done this week. It would not for me. I can only speak for myself. It would not for me. In fact, I would look down upon it a little bit more, just knowing how it all came down. Like, right now, what am I doing? I'm taking notes. I'm writing this down. Okay, uh, season dead, buried it, you buried it with a shovel, and then you buried the shovel with Russell Westbrook, but you made sure to come back against the weak end-of-the-season schedule to make sure you win an, an NBA scoring title. That speaks more about what's important to LeBron at this point than what's not. And I, I'll give you one last one here. I do not want to hear in the coming days about how some of this was not LeBron's idea. I do not want to hear any revisionist history coming about how some of this was LeBron's. Uh, was oh, not you're not going to hear idea. that. You heard Magic Johnson come out and talk about how yes. there were conversations about DeMar Rosen and how that got nixed because of LeBron's conversations with Russell Westbrook. There's no way that LeBron can distance himself from the Russell Westbrook I, I hope not. No shot. I no hope shot he's not going to try happen. to. That's all I'm saying. It's Carlin and Canty in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. There's more Laker talk and, and more interesting notions as to what could happen this offseason to maybe try to turn them into a contender next year. Plus, more on Tiger Woods 
and what this could all look like if he is set tomorrow morning to go. He's going to play with nine more holes today, apparently. Make sure he's good to go. But what it could look like at Augusta with Tiger. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Is AD on the trading block this offseason? Does it just frankly make the most sense for the Lakers at this point? Chris Carlin, Chris Canty in for Greeny. Presented by Progressive Insurance today on ESPN Radio. It's time to say goodnight to that check engine light with the free AutoZone Fix Finder service. It'll help you troubleshoot the likely cause of your light for free so you can drive with peace of mind. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Chris, as a Laker fan, I am very curious to get your take on this. For me, I don't see the point in trying to pursue a championship with Anthony Davis anymore. When he does not play, um, let, let's just say, if he could give you 80% of the games, that would be more than workable. But you're nowhere near that right now. And I, I just don't know if it's worth it to try to pursue that with him. And I also don't know at this point, what you're getting for Anthony Davis if you're trading him away. If you're the Lakers right now, are you trading away Anthony Davis to try to enhance your chances at winning a championship? Uh, here's what I would say to that. You're talking about a player that has missed a third of the games since he's been in a Laker uniform. That's not great. You're not getting the return on not great, investment. Bob that you thought you would from Anthony Davis because this was supposed to be the guy that LeBron James passed the torch to when LeBron got to the twilight of his career. Now, it's not a complete failure because you did win a championship. You did get a trophy out of the deal. You did put another banner in the rafters. So that is a win. But beyond that, in terms of charting a path forward and guys that you want to build around – Anthony Davis has clearly proven that he's not a player that you can build around just because you don't know whether or not you can rely on him. The best ability is availability. Herm Edwards said that once upon a time, and it ends up being one of the most profound things that you can apply to sports today. If a guy can't stay healthy, then what is his true value to you? The only question that I would have, Carlin, is if the Lakers do huddle up and come to the conclusion that they're willing to move AD, what's the return that they're going to be looking at for him? And is that return going to be worth moving on from the potential of having one of the best big men in basketball when he is healthy? Look, I don't think the return's going to be anything. I don't look at a return right now and say, you're going to get our troubled star for 
your troubled star, so to speak. By troubled, you know what I mean. Injuries, whatever the issue is. Somebody that LeBron feels like he can go win with. But this is why I have very much come to the conclusion that LeBron's going to have to accept he's not winning another championship. So the best-case scenarios are what? You're able to trade him for another high-level player, but maybe one that comes with some baggage, and then you're going to take Russell Westbrook's contract and try to stretch that out. So at $47 million, you're roughly going to get uh, – you could stretch that out, uh, buy him out and stretch it out for three years uh, the way it would affect the salary cap – you get $16 million a year on the cap as opposed to 47 all at once. I don't know how that's going to turn into a championship roster anytime soon. I just yeah, don't, I don't see that. Yeah, I don't see it either. Essentially, LeBron James is going to be held hostage while the Lakers go through a rebuild, and he's not going to like it. But well, but all right, but that, is LeBron that, holding – is LeBron being held hostage, or did LeBron basically lock himself up in this situation? Well, he created he created this situation. I'm not trying to absolve LeBron James of any blame, but mm. now the Lakers are going to make the decisions that are in the franchise's best interest, and that means holding on to that 2027 first-round pick and not packaging that with Russell Westbrook in order to move him somewhere around the NBA. That means potentially moving off of Anthony Davis this offseason. They're going to make the decisions that are in their best interest, and that might not necessarily – help to enhance LeBron James's legacy. And that's the part where it gets a little bit prickly because you're talking about a guy that always wants to compete for championships, but he's also a guy that has significant off-the-court interests and is tied to that L.A. community. So it's going to be tough. It's a difficult situation for Rob Palenka, Jeannie Buss, and Magic Johnson to try to navigate, but I think this is essentially what LeBron James has created the fact that he was the one that pushed to have Russell Westbrook and not DeMar Rosen to be a part of this team this year. Had DeMar DeRozan been here and had the kind of year that he's putting up in Chicago, you could be talking about a much different story with this Lakers team in terms of their outlook for the playoffs this year. And that's the sad part about it because you recognize what it could have been and then you also have to deal with the reality of what it is. Now, when it comes to any star potentially getting traded, one team is always going to be brought up. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance makes bundling home and auto easy. Learn more at Progressive.com. That team is the New York Knicks. Should the Knicks trade for Anthony Davis? Here's Jay Williams on Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max this morning. Why would you want to put your team through, a, through the misery of having somebody that played 39 games this year, 36 games last year, one of every three games he's had a DMP? Why would you want to jeopardize your franchise and all the assets you have for Anthony Davis to build a foundation on? Chris, with the, from a Knicks standpoint, they have one piece right now that they can definitively build on in R.J. Barrett, and then you have some other guys that you're hopeful about and where they could be in their development. And you have another guy that you just assume you're going to end up having to move somewhere else because in the span of one year, Julius Randle has done everything possible uh, to run himself out of town. You can trade for a player that is a disgruntled superstar. You cannot trade for a player who is a consistently injured superstar. You cannot afford it. 
No, and I'm with you on that one. But the only question is, what would make it worth it for the Knicks? Like, is there a scenario that you can envision where the Knicks actually entertain trading for Anthony Davis? Is it a matter of, hey, if you give me AD, I'll give you Julius Randle and Evan Fournier and a future pick? If that's something that could potentially be on the table, would I be interested in entertaining that? Absolutely. Just because you recognize the upside that comes along with AD, but I just don't know how motivated a player like that would would be to come to New York. And if you're talking about a guy that can't stay healthy and is not motivated to be where he's at, then that becomes a problem. But but I could I could see a scenario where the Knicks entertain trading a problem for a problem. And Julius Randle, make no mistake, is becoming a problem for the New York Knicks. You're going to have to deal with him at some point. And so I, I I wouldn't take it completely off the table, but at, at, at the same time, I, I do recognize that it does come along with some risk involved. But if you're in the position that the Knicks are in, you're going to have to take some chances. You can try to be calculated. You can try to be methodical about it, but you're going to have to take some risk on certain guys. And with the talent that AD is bringing to the table, if it's not costing you, you know, anything significant in the way of draft capital, then why not consider it? Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Love what baseball is doing with approving the usage of devices, the one called Pitchcom, which is a way for a catcher to communicate to the pitcher what the sign is or what pitch he wants without putting down signs. Carlin and Canty for Greeny. And if you don't know what we're talking about, here's Michelle Steele, Sports Center reporter, explaining exactly how this will work. Here's how it works. Instead of a hand signal, catchers will punch in a code on a wristband that's then transmitted to a receiver in the pitcher's cap. This is what he hears. Change up. Or if he speaks Spanish. Cambio. Teams can customize it to any voice and any language, and as many as three fielders behind the pitcher plus the catcher can get the same signal, so everybody's on the same page. I absolutely love it. I I love it. It's going to speed it along a little bit more, too, Chris. No, and that's the first thing that I thought about when baseball is trying to come up with these innovations in order to make the game more entertaining, to try to appeal to a younger demographic. I thought this was the thing, the way to go. I mean, the signs and the catchers trying to throw off the base runners, the guys at second, in terms of what they're trying to signal to the pitcher, that takes up time. And so baseball is coming up with these innovations, not only to help the pitchers and the catchers, but to help the overall entertainment product. So I'm all for it, Carlin. I just think it's incredibly ironic that baseball is using technology to ward off electronic sign stealing. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it's amazing that that was the solution that they landed on. But it's a great idea. I mean, it's, it's comparable to the coach-to-quarterback communication that we see in the NFL with the quarterbacks having 
the headset communication in their helmet. Like I, I, I like the idea that the pitchers are going to be able to communicate with the catchers and everybody can get on the same page and you don't have to worry about the minutia of players going through, sign, you know, trying to steal signs and trying to avoid signs being stolen. I have two questions. Number one, will this be like when you go into New England and mysteriously all of your communications get, you know, scrambled up and you don't hear things as clearly? And number two, when you go into particular ballparks, if you go to Houston, is that going to happen? And number two, when they say I can get it in anybody's voice, can I get it in like Gilbert Gottfried's voice? Can I get it to be fastball? You know, something like, something to at least entertain me when I'm out there. No, no doubt about it. I mean, definitely. You got to find the right voice to be like able to get Like I want Snoop that telling me what pitch I'm throwing. <laughs> that would be awesome, man. I'm excited to see it, though. These innovations just let me know that Major League Baseball is trying to be proactive about improving their game. Jeff Carlin, Hassan. I got it. I got it. The what voice it? that I would want in the communication from yes. catcher to pitcher, Bob Euchre. That is oh, the voice that would I be want amazing. in my head. Just a bit outside. <laughs> <laughs> that is the voice that I want in my head if I'm the pitcher. Bob oh. Euchre. Oh, Euchre Let's would be go. amazing. And we're talking about the, the pitchcom technology and the fact that a pitcher can just hear it uh, and the catcher types in – uh, just by hitting a button on his wrist, what the pitch is, and the pitcher can hear it thanks to a little device uh, in his cap, and up to three fielders can hear it as well. I I want it to be able to be in that customized voice. Euchre would be great. To me, just a bit outside. Perfect. <laughs> the most underrated line in that movie that just slides under the radar in Major League is when Vaughn gives up the Grand Slam on opening day. And drills the next guy, <laughs> oh, yeah. and and Euchre goes, uh oh, about time it's eight nothing. <laughs> right. Classic. Cold game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it. <laughs> oh, one of the best sports movies of all time. No oh, question. absolutely, Major League. Yeah, absolutely. Euchre was so good in that. So so good in that. In case you haven't noticed, and judging by the attendance, you haven't. The Indians have managed to win a few. Not the not the Indians, the Guardians now. Oh, that's the Guardians. right. This is going to be very, very difficult. Will it be tougher to remember to call them the Cleveland Guardians or the Washington Commanders? Oh, they're, they're, they're both equally bad, but I would say the Guardians is going to be tougher. Yeah. Because we've seen a couple of name changes from, you know, the football team in Washington over the last three years. But with with the Guardians, I mean, this the team in Cleveland, I mean, they have one of the best sports movies of all time is, you know, based on the team in Cleveland. So calling them the Guardians when that's not what we've been calling them for, you know, since their inception, it just seems a little strange. I totally agree. I'm going to have more trouble with the Guardians, no doubt. But they're the ones making the news this morning as their star third baseman, Jose Ramirez, gets a five-year, $124 million contract extension. That, according to Jeff Passan, he broke the story on ESPN. The deal includes a full no-trade clause. With this year and the pickup of a 2023 option, he has guaranteed a total of $150 million. And that's 
significant on a couple of fronts. Number one, they had been talking to teams recently about trading uh, Ramirez away, including the Padres, who thought they had a chance. But number two, Aaron Judge and the Yankees on opening day getting a deal done. Opening day, well, now it's Friday because they already have uh, pushed back opening day because of inclement weather, Chris. But Aaron Judge and the Yankees getting a deal done by opening day, I have to say, and I hope I'm wrong, I'm not terribly optimistic that that's going to happen. And and my only thought has always been all along that the Yankees, even though he was able to stay healthy last year, still have to have that very real concern. That's number one. And number two is how long will it be before they have two of the same player? In other words, he and Giancarlo Stanton, and neither can play the outfield consistently. Well, that's what this is coming down to, right? And that's why I was skeptical that a deal would get done just because I know what Aaron Judge would command on the open market, and there's a team that would pay a premium to him. Now, it doesn't seem like the two sides are far apart when it comes to average annual value. The biggest sticking point is the length of the deal, the term. You know, the Yankees would be more comfortable with six or seven years, whereas I'm sure that Aaron Judge would like something more of the 10-year variety, which is what your premium players are getting, especially your top-notch outfielders. So I, I just I, – I don't necessarily see the two sides being able to come to some type of middle ground in the next couple of days. I just don't envision that happening. And so the Yankees are going to be faced with a very real choice of is that some place that we're going to be willing to go this coming offseason – or do we trade Aaron Judge at the trade deadline and try to get back a haul for him before he walks away in free agency for nothing? Look, if you trade Aaron Judge before the deadline, that's going to get dicey. Like the Yankees would have had to have found themselves in the tank if that's what's going to happen. Um, I think it's more likely, unless you're going to trade him and then with the intent of saying, hey, we're going to trade you right now, but we're going to be right back in the mix to sign you this offseason. Well, they what, did that with Chapman once upon a time too, right? And then right. added them Glaber Torres. Right. The question so. is, is there going to be enough bad blood with the Yankees at that point on Judge's side where he would not want to come back? He wants to be here. A, a 10-year deal is just, it's not tenable. You can't do it. You cannot do it. If he wants a seven-year deal, I still think at his age, you have to remember that this is not a guy that is 26 years old at this point, right? He's he's what? Is he just about 30? I need he's to, 30. Uh, yeah. So you are handing him an awful lot of money for an awful long time. Let's just say that deal looks like seven years, $245 million. Is that something that would get it done? $35 million a year for Aaron Judge when they apparently their offer has been somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 Would that work? That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I mean, you, you, you yeah. have to, you'd have to consider it. I mean, he is one of the best outfielders in the game, one of the best bats in the game. And beyond that, the intangibles that you're looking for, the leadership qualities in your clubhouse – those are things you want, especially with this team trying to contend for a championship. So Chris, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out, 
But but I don't know if I'm willing to go there if I'm Hal Steinbrenner. $35 million a year, that's a lot of money for a guy that hasn't proven to be able to stay healthy. I hope I'm wrong. I think by Friday they're not going to have a deal done, and then it's going to go into next offseason. That puts a lot of pressure on them at the deadline. As you mentioned, they're trying to compete for a championship, but if it doesn't look like it's going in that way, if it looks a lot like what we saw in the middle of last season, then I think it becomes a serious conversation about moving Judge at the deadline. I'm not saying that that's what they should do. I'm saying it has to be a conversation. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Did you know that you can listen to Greeny commercial-free? That's right. You can listen to all your favorite ESPN Radio shows and much more without the ads on TuneIn, the best audio app for sports fans. Just download the TuneIn app to get started. LeBron James has a couple of games left at this point to try to win a scoring title. He is one-tenth of a point behind Joel Embiid. Chris, the Embiid road to a championship after 45 uh, is, let's just say, one without a whole lot of bumps. Is that fair? Yeah, I would I would say that. It's the Indiana Pacers. There's not a whole lot of resistance when it comes to them. And, oh, by the way, Embiid has another date with the Indiana Pacers before the end of the regular season this weekend. So I would imagine him putting up some big numbers against them, also putting up big numbers against the Detroit Pistons at home as well. So Joel Embiid looks like he's in the driver's seat to win the scoring title. I'm just going to say that based on the schedule the Sixers have over the next three games. Now, what I, I just – LeBron has not played the last few games. What I do not want to see is LeBron come back to try to win this scoring title because it just feels so empty at this point. Now, you're a Lakers fan. Keyshawn's a huge Lakers fan. Here he is this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on LeBron going after a scoring title here. It would be one of the biggest mistakes in LeBron's career if he was only focused in on the scoring title, being in L.A., that that would be a a huge mistake. Do what I'm doing right now, sit down. Because if you go and you try and you're eliminated and you go and try to focus in on an individual award. Jay, you know what it's like? Oh, man, that'd be a a blemish on LeBron's career. I I, I just don't think it would be looked favorably. Like, I, I would actually... Down the line, make sure that I remember that LeBron won a, a scoring title at age 37 because he had a chance to come back and he's going to get to see. Yes, he's got to deal with Golden State, but he's also got Oklahoma City in here. You know, if, if LeBron's going to throw up 60, and Chris, you made this point earlier about Kobe and the 60. Like, to me, that was more significant. That's Kobe mm-hmm. in his last game putting up 60 just to give everybody kind of a farewell and reminding him what he's all about. It wasn't even necessarily a celebrate me in every way, even though you could construe it that way. I, didn't, I never felt that way about it. This would feel like, all right, I'm just I'm out for me here, and that's all that matters. And by the way, I wasn't around the last couple of games when the team was getting eliminated. I hate that you're putting me in a position where it sounds like I'm defending LeBron James because I don't want to. Like, LeBron is a big reason why the Lakers are 17 games under 500. He's the one that opted to have Russell Westbrook over DeMar DeRozan or all the other options that could have potentially been out there when we knew that that was going to be a bad fit. So I hate you, Carlin, for putting me in this spot 
because as a Lakers fan, it's hard for me to be objective when it comes to LeBron James. But that being said, I do think if LeBron were to pull off the feet and win a scoring title, the more time and space we put between the end of this season and when we have the conversations about who the greatest of all time is and LeBron James going into the Basketball Hall of Fame, I do think people would look back on him at age 37 winning a scoring title more favorably than the immediate aftermath of it. And so I get what you're saying. Uh, If him coming back the last two games against OKC and against the Denver Nuggets to win the scoring title seems like it's a bit ridiculous when the team is not playing for anything. For LeBron James, this is the only way for you to salvage a train wreck of a season, to be able to get this individual accolade. And this is something that you could say – puts you a little bit closer to Michael Jordan. We all recognize that it's him and Jordan in the room and nobody else, but Jordan is still ahead of of LeBron James. Well, Michael Jordan didn't win a scoring title at age 37. It would have been 15 years in between scoring titles for LeBron James. That speaks to his longevity, his ability to produce at a high level, being in the NBA for 19 seasons. So I think it, it does do something for him, but I think... In the immediacy of it, it's just it feels a little bit icky knowing that the Lakers haven't been playing for anything essentially since the All-Star break. I think you hit on the word icky. It's icky. It, it, it is icky when it comes to LeBron because it should be below him at this point, but it shows to me that it's not below him. But there there hasn't been much that has been below him when it comes to making sure the legacy is as as intact as possible when the championships have not come as they have for Michael. The NBA is on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. It's the Knicks hosting the Nets, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. That's where I want to get to here for a minute with the Nets. So you and I sat here the other day, and we were talking about the Nets and putting them right there with the Milwaukee Bucks uh, at the top of the – Eastern Conference when we get to the postseason. So the Nets right now are in the eighth spot after last night, which is something they needed to climb out of that 9-10 situation. If you are the Nets and you get into the play-in and you win and you get in, who do you want right now? Miami, Boston, even Milwaukee in theory. I, I can't say that you would want Milwaukee or even the Sixers are right there too. Yeah, I think I would want the Philadelphia 76ers because they're hustling backwards right now. I think that would be the team that I would that I would circle and say, I'm hoping that they finish in the second-place spot in the Eastern Conference standings because I think it's a favorable matchup. Remember the last time that we saw those two teams face off? I mean, it wasn't even competitive what Brooklyn did to the Philadelphia 76ers, so that would be the game. The collective city of Philadelphia would be just absolutely flattened. Oh, fuck. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Plus. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.